The power of panos in Lightroom. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and in this episode I'm once again going to be handing over to Matt. But just before I do, a lot of you have been asking why I'm off social media. It's been great, it's been unbelievable, and it was just a time for me where I needed to take a break, I needed to live in the real life for a little bit, and reassess quite a few things with the eye to change. Now there's a lot of changes coming up, and I will be sharing those with you in due course. For now though, if you want to keep up with my journey, Go and visit the Instagram, my Instagram feed and go and check the link in bio. There you can sh- uh, sign up for my newsletter, which is going out once a week. There I'll be keeping you up to date with what's going on, the changes, travel plans, photography, new blogs on Wild Eye, whatever the case is. So in my Instagram link in bio, you can check that out. But otherwise, I will see you back on social, not sure when. I'd recommend it. Take a break. It's amazing. Anyway, back to this one. In this episode, Matt is going to talk about panos in Lightroom. Now, panoramas and shooting multiple frames and stitching them together is normally seen as kind of something you would do in the domain of landscape photography. But there are instances in wildlife photography where it does come into play as well and can be very useful. So Matt's going to explain just a little bit more details about how to use panos and the power of Lightroom combined with it. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Hey everyone, how's it going? I hope you are all well. Uh, We've just got back from an incredible trip through South Africa. We visited two game reserves, Medikwe and Sabi Sabi. Uh, We stayed at Jamala and Bush Lodge and it was mind-blowing. There there were a few sightings that really stood out. Lions hunting buffalo with a leopard watching. (laughs) A cheetah um, or a young cheetah attempting a hunt for the first time and it, it just... Yeah, horribly unsuccessful, but thrilling to watch nonetheless. But there was a few sightings where they were so beautiful in the in the scenery and and just in their in the composition. And we we struggled to a degree because we didn't have wide angle lenses, but we managed to get the photographs because we used a really awesome technique called panos. And because we used them quite a lot in this trip, I really felt an urge to do a podcast on them. I've also just written a blog as well and so the photograph that I'm going to be referring to is actually in that blog so hop across to go and check it out I'll also post it on my Instagram and all my social media so you can go and have a look at it there and it's a photograph and in fact it's a scene that you would never ever think to do a pano on it's actually a crossing a great migration crossing with hundreds of wildebeest going crazy across the Mara River and I managed to pull a successful pano on it so it just goes to sh- show the power of it. But before I even carry on, don't be intimidated. It's super easy. All right. It is so easy to do. Beginners can do this. And I think it is such an awesome little uh, feather in the cap or a bit of a piece of photography weaponry to put into your arsenal. It's a really cool trick to pull out and really, really easy as well. And it'll probably blow away any of your friends and family that perhaps you, see, you show the image to. So how and when do we take a pano? So the when. When you take a pano is when you, you feel like you should have a wide angle lens, in my opinion, but you just, you don't. And you've only got to say, let's say, for example, your 400 fixed. So at that example, at the migration, uh, there was so much going on. On the left were, were wildebeest that were so chilled and drinking, but on the right, there was just absolute chaos. And a lot of the, a lot of the reason, or the biggest reason that I took this photograph was to test the boundaries in hopes that it would work and I was blown away 
at how it actually did work. So I wanted to capture that. The, the why is I wanted to capture this entire scene that my 400 mil just couldn't capture. And, you know, when would you take this pano? I guess when you, again, when you want to capture the scene, when you want to get the whole story, uh, or perhaps, for example, just to jump across the Savi Sands where we were, we had this leopard in the tree. But because of the way the leopard was lying and the way that the tree was angled with the vehicle, we couldn't get a better position. So we did this wider angle of this marula where the leopard became a very small part of the picture, but still the main focus. But the branches created these wonderful leading lines into the leopard. So we didn't have this horrible squashed leopard in a tree. We had this big, beautiful tree with a leopard in it, if that makes sense. A lot of what I talk about today is just, it's probably not going to make sense without the images in front of you. But this is just a way of me introducing the idea. So that's how and when, I mean, why and when you take a panoramic is to try and sort of think out the box. I mean, if there's a lion hunting a buffalo, I wouldn't suggest it. I think that oh, there's a bit of common sense that goes with that. But anyway, so when it comes to taking a pano, there's a couple of things that are very, very important. I'm going to run through a few of them and I probably won't touch on all of them, but just to get used to how it all works. So the first is to practice your sort of arc. I call it an arc. So that's the kind of the motion you're going to use to take the frames that you're going to stitch together later. So that's the arc. Imagine like your hand swinging from side to side. Not that you'd want to do that, by the way, but just imagine that sort of movement of the camera as you capture each frame going from left to right. So you want to practice that arc. And the reason why I say this is because you want to be able to make sure you're not cutting anything off. You also want to get an idea of where your photograph or your, your wide angle or your panel image is going to start and end. Because once you know that, you're going to have a far more efficient movement of the camera because more movement in photography means less sharp photographs. So your movement in your arc has to be simple and concise and it has to be very well planned. As you go on uh, and, you know, and you practice this more and more, it'll become almost second nature. And... That's so just in the beginning, you want to plan. I mean, you really want to make sure that you're getting all the feet, heads, ears, everything in. Um, or perhaps in my case with the Great Migration, you want to be able to get the top of the bank to the river. You know, um, that's why I zoomed out a bit in that image. So just plan your shot and your arc, okay, and your subject. The next thing you want to want to do is your focal plane. Make sure you know how to lock your focus on your camera, okay? So in for Canon, for example, it's um, single shot focus. In, in Nikon, it's uh, AFC, which or sorry, AFS, which is uh, autofocus um, single. So it locks onto a, a focal plane because you're going to want to hold that plane. Don't make sure that your servo focus isn't on, okay, or your continual focus isn't on. The reason being is when Lightroom stitches, it's going to want to stitch on one focal plane, okay. So on my camera, my, uh, my back button focus, and for me, I know this is different for everybody else. But my back button focus is actually my lock, okay? So I'll hold that in whilst I'm doing my arc. When you're taking the photographs, okay? So when you're actually going click, 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 click along from left to right, you're going to want to overlap your photographs by at least a third. All right, a little bit more than that is better. But also remember, the more photographs you take, the longer and more stretched your image is going to be, which can distort it a little bit, okay? So you're going to want to take as many and as little photographs as possible. I know that's going to be confusing, but just give me a second. Um, and then to ensure that you can stitch it all together. 
All right, so overlap your photographs by 30%. And what I mean by too many or too little is, imagine you're taking a, a pano of a face, okay? Don't split your face into two, into two halves, all right? Don't take a left photo and then a right photo and then try and stitch it. It might misalign, it might look stretched or warped, okay? You're not giving Lightroom enough information to, to help stitch that photograph. Divide the face into, let's say, between three and five frames. And the reason being is then Lightroom will have a lot more information to overlap and stitch later on. Okay, so imagine you split your face up into five segments. Let's take five. Take a photograph of each segment overlapping with the previous by 30%. Okay, so take a photograph, move two thirds over your original framing, take another photograph, move two thirds, and then do five of those. All right, I hope that makes sense. The reason is because you need that information to stitch later. If you took 10 photographs, Lightroom could still make a plan, but you might find that it starts to shrink that head to fit all the other information on the outside and around it in. And it just becomes a bit messy. So that's what I mean by you don't want to take too many and you don't want to take too little. Too little being two photographs where there's not enough information to stitch and 10 being too much information that might just confuse Lightroom and squash the head in. Okay, so... Don't worry if that doesn't make too much sense. This will also come with practice. The general rule of thumb is one third overlapping. This is also another reason why you want to plan your shot in advance. Okay, this will also give you an idea of how many sort of photographs overlapping by one third you should take. Okay, so this is where that planning comes into play. Having said that, okay, so you need to plan your photograph, overlap by one third, and fix your focal length, or your focal plane. Okay, so and focal length for that matter, but I'm sure you won't change that. So the one of the ways that I combat this is going to sound a bit bizarre, but it actually works really well. I use my high um, drive, my, my continual shutter, okay, at a high speed. So, you know, I'll take a burst of, let's say, five to, in, that, in that migration shot. I took a burst of five, okay, in that particular blog example. So what I did was I chose the beginning. I chose the end, all right? I used a very um, high frame rate, and I used a very very small, very concise, and very quick movement of my camera. I've locked my focus, and I go tick, 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 while holding my finger down. Now, the reason why I did this is because it gives me quite, believe it or not, it actually gives you a very even spacing between the photos. It also helps capture your subjects much better, and they're not as misaligned as you would think. So in that Wildebeest shot, I needed to be very quick, because if a Wildebeest... I mean, they were jumping into a river, you know. I mean, <laughs> if you if I'd taken too long, I would have had two halves of a wildebeest randomly floating in my picture. I had to try and avoid that. So this is a crazy lesson that I learned at that migration crossing was that quick um, shutter speed. Then, you know, it, it there's much less chance of there being any warping or distortion. And it also seems to hold the focal plane so much better. So it might seem weird and a bit uncomfortable, but give it a try. Give a very... Um, high shutter speed rate and quickly zap it as fast as you can to capture that moment in time. You'll be so surprised with what Lightroom can do at the end. But before we get there, we need to download into Lightroom. But now the problem is when you download those images into Lightroom or you see like in that migration shot, when you look at the blog, if you look at my Instagram um, post, can you imagine the confusion of which photos to choose and in what you know sequence were they? And how do we stitch it together? It can be quite overwhelming or can seem overwhelming. But remember what I said, this is super easy, okay? Especially if you follow these techniques. So 
before you take your sequence, when you're planning your arc, okay, when you're planning your, your start and end of your pano, take a picture of your hand or perhaps the sky. I personally like to take a picture of the sky because when you download it onto Lightroom, it comes out as a very obvious blue block, should you have blue skies or a gray block. But some people take pictures of their hand. And the reason that you want to do this is because before you take your arc shots, before you take your sequence, take a picture of your hand or the sky, and then at the end, do the same thing. Try and use the exact same thing, sort of bookend, if you like, as the one you did before. So if you take a picture of the blue sky, then take your sequence, then take a picture of the blue sky again. Because when you download it onto Lightroom, you're going to see where those bookends are, the start to the finish. The images in between will be in sequence. All right, those are the images you're going to want to use. So remember those bookends. I promise you it's going to save you a lot of confusion, okay? It's absolutely imperative. Once you've got your images in Lightroom, this is where you'd think that the hard part starts. It's actually not. This is the easiest part of the lot. The hardest part is getting the photos right. Okay, so once you've got your sequence of photographs, go through them very quickly. Just check that your focal plane is correct okay check that there aren't any subjects that you know are soft or unsharp uh, check for any motion blur and just as you're skipping through the the frames just make sure that your focal plane is correct you can actually skip through the frames quickly both left and then go right and then left and go right and you can actually very quickly see if that photograph is going to work because it will almost be as though it's panning the picture for you once you've got those images all correct and set up, then select them, right click, go up to photo merge, then down to panorama. That's it. All right, Lightroom now kicks in and just says, I'll take it from here. And it, it blows my mind every time. If you've taken the images correctly, Lightroom will completely knock your socks off. So you'll see it thinking, 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 and then the window will open up where it will show you a preview, okay? Now, when you zoom into that preview, which you'll be able to do, don't worry about the, the quality of that image because it's, it's created like a smart preview. Imagine it's now working of 8, 10, 12, I, I've used up to 20 uh, raw images and the poor you know, process is trying to now combine that all together. So it gives you a smart preview. It might look pixelated and distorted. Don't stress about it, okay? Um, just have a look at how is everything, are the seams all in line? Are any animals cut off? Does the picture look like it flows nicely? If you find any anomalies, go back and try and pinpoint where in which frame it is. So for example, if you see a wildebeest in my example that's been cut off, try and find that frame. Either try and simplify it by deleting that frame out of your sequence to take the confusion away from Lightroom, all right? Or try and end it try and end the sequence before that happens all right you might not get the exact panel you want but you can still save it if things have been cut or uh, morphed uh, to or warped perhaps too much then it probably means in fact it does mean that you you've probably made a mistake in the photographs um, I have never Lightroom has never let me down my photography has okay so yeah like I say try and look for the frame that might be causing the problem delete that frame you may find that Lightroom is then happy and continue with your panel. Brilliant. But if, it's, if all isn't checked, again, don't worry about the quality, but if all is good in terms of the stitching, then you see things like spherical um, perspective you, the, on the right. You can go through that menu. Basically, when you do your arc, when you're taking your photographs, you might see that there's a bend in the photograph. 
So those spherical, cylindrical um, options might help combat that. If it doesn't, don't stress. I personally like to keep it on perspective. I feel like that's the most natural. And then once you've merged the files later on, you can go into transform and you can change the different horizons and all the axes and to, to straighten it out or to stretch it if it has been condensed. So don't stress too much about that. And it's actually very seldom that you have to worry about it. It probably just takes a small little tweak here and there. So go through that if you want. You're also then welcome to, you'll see options like auto crop and auto settings. You can use those. I sometimes use auto crop. But in terms of auto settings, I obviously prefer to do it myself. So once I've merged the photographs, I'll continue my editing in Lightroom as per usual. Then you'll see something, I think it says create stack. So once you know you click that, what will happen is it'll just take all your photographs and basically squash them together just to clean up any clutter in your catalog and library. So yeah, once you're ready, once you're happy, click on photo merge. And it'll take a heck of a long time to bounce all those photos down. I mean, the more photos you put in there, the longer it'll take. So don't stress. Um, it just takes a lot of processing power. Uh, now would be a good time to go make a coffee and wait for your photograph to, to pop up on your screen so that you can edit with a coffee, if you know what I mean. So yeah, and then once it's done, you'll see your panel pop up and it'll be absolutely brilliant, I am certain. So yeah, you're welcome to then crop it, straighten it, highlight it, expose it, whatever you want to do, you carry on. And then you can, uh, you're welcome to export it from there on. So yeah, give it a try. It's it's a phenomenal uh, tool. It really and truly is. And you know, I've explained it in details to maybe help you. But once you've done it once, I think you'll see that it's actually very very quick and very very easy. The same applies to an HDR shot or a bracketed shot or a high dynamic range shot. The same process applies, which I'll obviously do another um, whole blog and podcast on. But you know, these are very, very cool tricks to use in the photographic world. And if, if they're there at your disposal, go ahead and use it. So hop across, have a look at my blog, um, see how I did it. It'll give you a bit more information. You'll actually be able to visualize it now. And hopefully that'll help you out in the field. But yeah, go for it, explore, enjoy, practice on the dog at home if you have to, but enjoy the power of panos. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope to see you out in the field soon. Oh.